lucky. They're very, very tiny people. <laughs> yeah, it seems that's always seems to be the case for some reason. But right. um, in the uh, and in the Shaker Barn, the the auto exhibit, um, a lot of the stuff stays there. But you do rotate a few things in and out once in a while, right? We, oh, absolutely. We rotate the cars every year. We have 40 cars in our collection. We can show about 20 at a time. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that if you come back year to year, you're not seeing the same cars all the time. And we also feature cars on loan every year. Mm -hmm. So this year we borrowed um, a couple cars that sort of evoke the movie drama from Cut. So Wareham collector Jack Rosen has lent us a 1934 Derby Bentley and a 1955 MGTF 1500. Wow. Okay. Yep. And uh, can you can you also kind of highlight some of the cars that are um, on the sort of permanent display or at least permanent display for this year? Sure. We have uh, 40 cars in the museum's collection, all American manufactured between 1899 and 1962. So uh, some of the cars you're going to see on exhibit this year, 1932 Auburn Boattail Speedster. Which is a stunning car, by the way. Oh, right. That is really, if we ask people if you'd like to drive a car out of here, which one would you choose? I think at least half our people would probably mm. choose the Auburn. We also have a 1930 Duesenberg that was once owned by uh, actor Gary Cooper. Which might be the car that the other half of people... Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of think so. And plus, it's all... That Duesenberg is huge. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. It's humongous. I don't remember the wheelbase on that car, but um, the colors are also original, but they are yellow and green, mm. which people are, I think, surprised about sometimes. Uh, we also have a 1909 white steam car, which was among the first cars that William Howard Taft ordered for the White House. Before that, presidents were only transported officially by horse-drawn carriage. He was the first president to order cars for the White House, and this white steamer was one of them. Well, the, you know, the cars, are they're just a flash in the pan. They're, they're never going to take off, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and and your cars are uh, your uh, you know I don't I don't know how often the cars get kind of detailed and clean, but they they look like they you know should be displayed in a church. Mm, yes, Mr. Lilly, uh, who founded the museum and collected most of the vehicles in this collection, when he was considering opening an auto museum, he visited a lot of other auto museums around the country. Mm -hmm. He felt very strongly that instead of having a museum with hundreds of cars with a lot of them in not very good condition, he wanted to have a small museum with everything in pristine condition. Mm. So that's what he accomplished. We have a very devoted core of volunteers that helps us uh, with a spring detailing day before we open for the season and some dedicated volunteers who come in every week and dust during the season, so I really rely on this group of people to help us keep everything looking great. We're talking with Jennifer uh, Madden. She's the Director of Collections and Exhibitions at the uh, Heritage Museum and Gardens, and uh, I had the opportunity years ago to come in and give a little talk at the uh, uh, at the museum, and uh, Mr. Lilly was there, and uh, uh, pretty interesting guy. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, decided yeah. in uh, 64, he saw a parade of antique vehicles drive past him when he was on vacation, and he's like, I'm going to collect cars. And mm. as soon as he came home from that trip, he bought one, 
and he ended up amassing 35 cars in probably three or four years. Mm. Yeah, he, he again, fascinating, fascinating guy. Speaking of fascinating, you have a kind of behind-the-scenes event coming up this week, right? Yes, we offer behind-the-scenes tours of our auto collection storage facility, which is in our auto museum that we've been talking about. Uh, so we invite 20 people to go into that facility with me and a member of our auto committee. This is an area that's not usually visible or accessible to uh, the regular visitor at mm-hmm. Heritage. So we spend about an hour in there. We get to examine the cars really closely. Um, we talk about the history of each vehicle, fun stories about each vehicle, the original purchase price for each car, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Uh, and people really enjoy the opportunity to have an exclusive look at the cars. Yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing, and that's it, as I recall, that's sort of behind the glass wall. Is exactly. That, yeah. Yep. So yeah. People can see into the storage facility. Any visitor that comes, but you can't go in unless you're on one of these tours. No, it's uh, it's fascinating, and I, and I will I will uh, uh, you know you, you'll probably never ever want to talk to me again. But I was there a couple of years ago, and uh, I happened to uh, I happened to be there and got chatting with someone and mentioned that once upon a time I was a guest speaker down there and they invited me back there. Ooh, look yeah, you. yeah. So I got the I got I got my own little behind the scenes tour back there, and and the and the and the couple of guys that were there were were great. And we even talked about how sometimes you put cars away for storage and how you're using. I I think they're they're you know for the gasoline they were using they they use aviation fuel because they don't want the gasoline to go bad and how they how they store things. But how all the cars are essentially almost ready to drive. We have about 20 of our 40 cars mm. are driving right now. Yep. So we have a special group of people who comes in and exercises those cars. So between, say, March and November, good driving weather month, hopefully each of those cars gets driven two or three times around our grounds. No, that's fantastic to be able so, to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. fun if you happen to be here on one of those yeah. days. No. Yep. And if people want to do the behind-the-scenes tour, again, when is it and how do you sign up for it? There's one this Tuesday, mm-hmm. August. Second. There's mm-hmm. also one a couple weeks from now on August 13th. Okay. Uh, September 10th and October 8th. You go to our website, heritagemuseums.org, and you can sign up for the tours online. No, it, it's 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 a beautiful place. The grounds are beautiful. If for some reason you're a little older person that maybe has a little trouble getting around, you, you guys still uh, manage to get people around. You have a little like trolley type thing, right? We have uh, some golf carts that we reserve yep. just for folks that have a difficult time getting around our property. Yeah, mm. yeah no, it's a it's a fantastic place, and if you're if you're a lover of automobiles, the the Shaker Barn is a great place to spend a whole bunch of time. But if you're not and you uh, just want to check out the gardens, you want to check out the new exhibit, um, there it's it's a fascinating place to go to. Absolutely. Everybody in your party will have a great time. Yep. And if you can, uh, and and tickets are available, um, uh, you can go there. And I believe um, if you're a AAA member, you get a discount? Yes, you do. See, look at that. Look at that. So, uh, so a, a great exhibit, great cars, and like I said, even if you're not somebody who appreciates seeing uh, beautiful cars, there is an awful lot to see there, as well as the gardens are just magnificent. Absolutely. And all of our buildings are fully air-conditioned at this time of year. We enjoy that. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll just move in. 
Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jennifer, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning. And the uh, website address, if people want to check it out online, where do they go to see that? They can uh, go to our website at heritagemuseums.org. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday and joining us up here in Boston. And uh, you never know, maybe you'll see me in a couple of weeks on uh, the behind-the-scenes tour. Sounds great. All right, Thanks, take John. care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, that, that was Jennifer Madden. She is the curator of uh, exhibits at the Heritage. And I was calling it the Heritage Plantation, and I'm sure it used to be called the Heritage yeah. Plantation once. But they probably uh, they probably wanted to change the name, and it's now the Heritage Museum and Gardens, which better describes what it really is because it really is a, a fantastic place to look at the gardens. The gardens are beautiful. It's just a, it's just a very, very nice place to, you know, just sort of check out what's there. And uh, look at all look at all the great stuff that's there, and uh, it's just phenomenal the stuff that you'll see, and the the quality of the cars is just it's crazy how how good they are really because they really are they really are these um, I think it was Dave Brunell who uh, was uh, with Hemmings Motor News for so long and just a really good guy, and I believe he called he I think he might have coined the expression. Uh, church-like quality inside there. It's just, it's just everything was just laid out and beautiful and impeccably clean. And uh, and some of the folks wandering around really know a lot about the vehicles. And it's just, it's just a fun place to go to. And again, if you're not somebody who's uh, an automotive enthusiast, you can. There's still an awful lot of things to do, as well as this new uh, exhibit that kind of looks at the uh, the clothes of. Uh, of um, movie stars that they're wearing in all of these movies. So if you you like to see that thing, and I know for a fact that people do sneak up and go, wait a minute, everybody says she's a size two, but she's really a size six. But in a lot of cases, they are little teeny tiny people. Why don't we take a quick break? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. We'll be right back. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800 280 That's 800-280-3517. 
paid non-attorney spokesman. Attorney John Sheen in Los Angeles is responsible for this content. This ad is not legal advice. Choice of lawyer should not be made solely by advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Have you or a loved one suffered from ovarian cancer? If you use talcum or baby powder, you may have a claim against the manufacturer. Please call 800-888-8888 now. If you or a loved one suffered from ovarian cancer, you may be entitled to compensation. Please call Salino and Barnes now at 800-888-8888. Ovarian cancer, call. 800-888-8888. At creditrepair.com, we know life happens. Divorce, medical bills, student loans, and many other reasons why credit scores may fall. Our proven process helps remove inaccurate and unfair negative items like late payments, collections, charge-offs, even bankruptcies from your credit report. And that can lead to a higher credit score. The consultation is free and includes a free credit score and credit report. So call us now at 800-651-5845. 800-651-5845. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's tire headquarters. And right now, during our sizzling summer tire sale, you'll save big on quality Yokohama tires. Yokohama tires, known for their impressive tread design, durability, and handling. Stop into your local Sullivan Tire now through August 18th and check out this amazing summer special. Buy three, get the fourth Yokohama Tire absolutely free. That's right, buy any three Yokohama Tires, the fourth one is yours free. Remember to stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check and let our ASC team of experts keep your car running right. We do it all. Brakes, batteries, mufflers, transmissions, engine diagnostics, oil changes, that all-important air conditioning service, and so much more. Head to any of our 68 locations right now and save big on a tremendous selection of Yokohama tires. Buy three, get the fourth Yokohama tire absolutely free. Offer ends August 18th. See SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800-280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. WROL Boston. Folks from Infinity have a bunch of new stuff coming this way. The um, the Q30, this is the car version of the QX30, a hatchback now offered in Europe as the Q30 will um, not come to the U.S. right away. I'm going to wait and see. I say that, you know, maybe we will see something like that. The Q60 is a redesigned Q60 compact coupe. They'll debut in the third quarter of this year as a 2017 model. 
The QX60, the midsize crossover, will receive a significant freshening this fall for the 2017 model year. The Q50, the sedan, is in line for freshening in mid-2017. So it sounds like almost everything in the Infiniti lineup is getting a little bit of a, a little bit of an update. There's also going to be a Q50 performance model. Infiniti continues to study the idea of obtaining a high-performance model, um, $100,000 plus version of the Nissan GTR. So they might think about doing a sort of Nissan has a GTR, which is competitive with some of the fastest, most powerful cars in the world. And maybe there'll be an Infiniti version of that, which I'm not sure what that really might amount to as far as... Uh, as far as, uh, you know, nicer interior, maybe. Uh, but uh, I will say if you compare the uh, the uh, Nissan Z car to the Infiniti equivalent, I actually like the way the Infiniti sounds better. I think it just has a, a better sounding exhaust system, just has a little bit better feel to it. So there was an article in here from uh, that Ralph Nader was quoted. It says, Ralph Nader's landmark 1965 book on auto safety, unsafe at any speed, had a very bumpy ride to the publisher of the book, which uh, accused automakers of failing to make cars safe as possible, was a bombshell in the industry. But the book might have not happened at all if the uh, famously disciplined Rader, Nader was not well di- famously disciplined. That's because Nader lost the original manuscript. He said he left it in a taxi cab. He went, he went to the uh, lost and found, uh, but they must have thought it was just trash and threw it out. Nader said um, it, he was inducted into the actual autom- Automotive Hall of Fame. Nader, who wrote the book using a manual typewriter, he still uses one, said he once realized his book was gone. He sat down at his Smith Corona and, and immediately rewrote the book while all the word, words were still fresh in his mind. So... And uh, it, I had the opportunity to interview Ralph Nader years ago, and um, it was um, it was kind of it was kind of interesting because I had no plans to interview him. The guy at the radio station said, "Hey, you want to interview Ralph Nader?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And I said, "How'd you get Ralph Nader's number?" And apparently, it was in the phone book. He lived in he lived in Virginia. And he had his number listed in the phone book. They they looked it up and uh, called him and. I, you know, I asked him about the book and a few other things, and I said to him, so what did you really think about the Corvair? And he's, he actually said he liked the looks of the Corvair, he just didn't want to drive one, which I thought was kind of interesting, so. Yeah, and uh, so uh, with us on the phone uh, to talk a little bit about a new project that Ford's doing with MIT is Brian Goodman. Brian, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, tell us tell us what this program's all about. Yes. Well, researchers at MIT, uh, as well as researchers at Ford, were very interested in dynamic shuttles. Mm-hmm. So a new uh, right offering shuttle service to, say in this case, students on the MIT campus, yep. um, as well as autonomous vehicles. So this project combined the two. So we were studying technologies that will help us advance our work in autonomous vehicles, as well as uh, features and services that will help us offer dynamic shuttle services. Was this based on a student project I saw called Ducky Town? 
I'm not familiar with that project. <laughs> well, Ducky Town was a graduate student project done at MIT that used a, a uh, in, in in essence, it was a model town. I think it was probably I don't know forty feet square that had um, uh, using using a kind of simple uh, computer circuit board and some hundred dollar uh, um, video cameras. They built what was in essence a autonomous town, but they put rubber ducks on top of all the little vehicles. So, so they called it Ducky Town. Sounds crazy. <laughs> well, it's MIT. You know, it's you know they're they're crazy over there anyway. So, what did what did uh, what did the uh, you know working together with MIT? What what did you learn from uh, this experience? And and uh, you know what is is there really going to be you know sort of a um, you know, as back to the future, sort of, we'll walk out into the street and an autonomous vehicle will come and pick us up? I think there will be eventually. Um, we learned with this uh, some things that will help us lead, lead to fully autonomous vehicles that could just pick you up uh, say on the, at the sidewalk or in the side mm-hmm. of the street. Um, one of those things was that autonomous vehicles today, many of them, uh, including ours, uh, rely on LIDAR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so using lasers to detect objects and to localize. So mm-hmm. it helps the vehicle determine exactly where it's located. And today we use uh, fairly sophisticated LiDAR sensors, and they work well, but they are expensive. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges, of course, students are good at uh, operating on a budget. So they, the students at MIT were comparing uh, the results from using these very expensive LiDAR sensors mm-hmm. with the results from using uh, much simpler LiDAR sensors. And, and they did a very nice job of figuring out how they could make things work with the simpler LiDAR sensors. Mm. Do you think that in the future the the sort of shuttle system or whatever it is will be a, an on-road system or will it be a sidewalk system or will it be a kind of, you know, a Disney World monorail system? Uh, I think it will be, I think we'll have to fit into the existing infrastructure. Okay. So I, I, I think it will not be something like, say, the Disney monorail system. I think it will be um, something that does have to operate on, on existing roads. And in the campus setting like MIT, they mm-hmm. specifically chose these vehicles because they could operate both on the public roads and on their sidewalks. And can you give us a, a kind of a visual of what the vehicle is? You know, bigger sure. than a bread box, a golf cart, you know. Yes. So the vehicles in this MIT experiment are a little bigger than a golf cart. Okay. Uh, they were chosen specifically because the campus already operated a fleet of this same type of vehicle for security and maintenance personnel. Mm-hmm. And so I, as I understand it, they have pylons around the campus. Uh, they're designed to keep full-size vehicles off of the sidewalk. Okay. But they are they are perfectly spaced so that these vehicles could sneak through them. And these are these are true and in the 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 vision is this will be a true autonomous vehicle that uh, won't have a driver, right? That's correct. Yep. And how will Today, uh, and how will passengers, you know, kind of summon the vehicle? Ah. So the along with this project, the students developed um, apps for Uh phones 
and so that riders can summon the vehicle with an app, much like a ride-sharing service. Okay. So you uh, you get on your phone and you uh, uh, you you hit a button and it tells you that there's a that there's a uh, a vehicle sort of nearby and you just sort of wait for it to show up and uh, and then do you tell it where to go or is it kind of on a predetermined sort of route? Uh, same thing with the app. Oh, okay. You can tell the vehicle where to go, and of course today these vehicles still have safety drivers. And so you can tell the safety driver where to go. Just in case sort of idea? Right. Well, so today on the MIT project, these vehicles have not been made fully autonomous yet. That's still in progress. Mm -hmm. So so the driver still is necessary. Yeah. And and this is all part of uh, Ford's dynamic shuttle project. Is that what this is all sort of working towards and around? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yes. So we, we're testing something similar on our Dearborn campus mm-hmm. uh, where employees often have to go a few miles between buildings. Uh, and so we have a fleet of, in this case, it's full-size vehicles mm-hmm. for transit and transit connect vans. So you, you're going to let them out at Greenfield Village? You, you can <laughs> take the shuttle from my <laughs> office to Greenfield Village, certainly. And, uh, and uh, you know, which would, which would be... Uh, which would be sort of fascinating. So, um, looking at looking at the, you know this type of project, is it um, has there been anything that that as you were kind of putting all the pieces together um, as um, the your your title is manager of uh, tech and and uh, and leader of autonomous vehicles? Is there anything that really surprised you and said, hmm, didn't quite expect that to happen? Which is which is the great part about research? Certainly, yes. Well, again, the, the students were very clever in their solution to localizing the vehicle mm-hmm. um, using this very inexpensive lidar sensor. Yep. And that typically has been a a very challenging and uh, computationally expensive problem. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of computer power to do that. Mm-hmm. And of course, these great MIT students uh, came up with. Uh, some, and some clever solutions to that that uh, that really improved that for us, and uh, and that was a nice surprise. I think it was Ducky Town. I think that I, I'm still going back. I'm still going back to that. I think they started. I think they started with Ducky Town, and and probably okay. built built from there. So because I think it's it sounds very reminiscent of a little project in a video I saw. So I think they're uh, they're similar. So uh, but it, it you know it's it's great. And how how often does Ford collaborate with um, places like MIT and other institutes of higher learning around the world? Is this a is this a unique project for Ford, or is this uh, or is this um, uh, something is oh, something that happens pretty regularly? No, it's not unique at all. It, we regularly collaborate with uh, with top notch researchers at institutions all over the world, um, but especially at, at institutions like MIT. We have, I, I think, we have twenty or thirty projects ongoing hmm. almost all of the time just at MIT. So I guess the the million dollar question is how soon will I be able to call an autonomous ride sharing service to my house and be able to get a ride to work? Uh, <laughs> that uh, it it largely well I would say it depends it depends <laughs> on where you live um, it depends on a number of developments here mm-hmm. in the next few years um, 
I, I think it, we will see an evolution. So today, if you visit a mining site or even a farm mm-hmm. in some locations, right, trucks and tractors are driving around without operators in them today. Um, I think very shortly we will see uh, services with autonomous vehicles popping up in very limited locations. So something like in very, say, good weather locations, mm-hmm. um, retirement cities, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to, when we get to the point where you can have an autonomous vehicle just about anywhere in the country that maybe you can own or you can summon to your house and go just about anywhere, I, I think we're quite a few years off from that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably the case as well. And one last question. Um, vehicle autonomy in kind of in general, um, when you when you think about that, I mean, there, there um, it seems as if in the next year or two in the next year or two there is um, every manufacturer has some level of autonomy Uh, you think that's going to continue further and further to the point where uh, you can truly take your eyes off the road for a couple minutes and not have to worry about it well I I think that we're going to see a a, a continued growth and acceleration of Mm -hmm. the work in autonomous systems and active safety systems, Mm -hmm. no doubt. Um, When will we get to a point where you could take your eyes off the road for minutes? Uh, I I don't know that the answer. You don't know, yeah. I I would not recommend it anytime. Anytime, anytime. So so when I leave the radio station today, I should be paying attention, no matter what kind of car I'm driving. Yes. But I think there's tremendous possibility to apply these technologies very soon, just in the next few years, and, and Ford is working on exactly that, to improve the automatic safety system. Mm. So systems, maybe we don't want you taking your eyes off the road intentionally, but the system can be operating uh, as a guardian angel. Oh, okay. And if it if it senses that there's uh, an imminent problem, um, it can actively take uh, appropriate action, and, and hopefully we can save many, many lives. Yeah. By implementing so sort of like when the big ugly spider dropped from the roof of the car I was driving a week or so ago, and uh, exactly. and I probably wasn't paying as much attention as I could for about the next 30 seconds, having those active safety systems would be a good idea? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. Brian, thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and uh, visiting, us, visiting with us again in Boston. Oh, thank you. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. That was Brian Goodman, the uh, uh, Ford manager and tech leader of autonomous vehicle analytics and uh, joining us uh, on the show today. So why don't we take another quick break? And when we come back, we're going to do a little bit of trivia. We'll be right back. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. On the other side of the street, I knew stood a girl that looked like you. I guess that's deja vu, but I thought this can't be true, cause you moved to West L.A. or New York or Santa Fe or wherever to get away from me. Oh, but that one night was more than just right. I didn't leave you, cause I was all through. This summer, join thousands of believers and your favorite Christian artists for a life-changing event, Soul Fest 2016. 
spend three big days with friends and family in beautiful Guilford, New Hampshire. Over 75 Christian artists and speakers, including Swishfoot, Skillet, Michael W. Smith, Natalie Grant, Matthew West, Big Daddy Weed, Building 429, Matt Marr, Colton Dixon, POD, and many more. Plus workshops and ministries for children, youth, and adults. Soul Fest 2016, August 4th through the 6th at the Gunstock Resort in Guilford, New Hampshire. Don't miss this summer's life-changing event. For great deals on tickets to Soul Fest, plus many other great items, visit our discount shopping clubs at wezradio.com or wrlradio.com and prepare to be amazed. I can Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800-280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. Paid non-attorney spokesman. Attorney John Sheehan, Los Angeles, is responsible for this content. This ad is not legal advice. Choice of lawyer should not be made solely by advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Have you or a loved one suffered from ovarian cancer? If you use talcum or baby powder, you may have a claim against the manufacturer. Please call 800-888-8888 now. If you or a loved one suffered from ovarian cancer, you may be entitled to compensation. Please call Salino and Barnes now at 800-888-8888. Ovarian cancer, call. 800-888-8888. At CreditRepair.com, we know life happens. Divorce, medical bills, student loans, and many other reasons why credit scores may fall. Our proven process helps remove inaccurate and unfair negative items like late payments, collections, charge-offs, even bankruptcies from your credit report. And that can lead to a higher credit score. The consultation is free and includes a free credit score and credit report. So call us now at 800-651-5845. 800-651-5845. Looking for incredible zip lining and climbing adventures in the treetops? Now you don't have to drive hours to experience the fun. Visit Treetop Adventures, Greater Boston's number one zip line and aerial challenge park. Treetop Adventures is Greater Boston's newest outdoor adventure attraction. Located at the Irish Cultural Center in Kenton. Families, corporate team building, birthday parties, sports teams. Come challenge yourself while having a blast with your family and friends. Visit treetopcanton.com to book your treetop adventure today. That's treetopcanton.com. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Um, promised I'd do trivia, but I saw a little article when I was uh, in between the commercials there. The big question for self-driving cars, human behavior. 
Uh, this is uh, from, I don't know, Crane Communications. It says, high profile, a high-profile fatality in the Tesla Model S operated in autopilot mode reveals that the push towards self-driving cars still has many unsolved problems. The biggest issue automakers and researchers are grappling with, the human aspect of self-driving cars. When should drivers take over? Will they have enough time to react if they um, aren't paying attention to the uh, road? Or should the car do all of the driving all of the time? How does the driver know what is their responsibility and what is the vehicle's responsibility? Uh, Jim Sayer, director of the University of Michigan Transportation uh, Research Institute, says if a car's computer system can't detect that there's a problem ahead on the road, it wouldn't even know how to alert the driver, he said, which actually makes some sense. Car makers are trying to understand how humans behave when they're retaking control of the vehicle that has been driving in autonomous mode. Audi is still researching that topic in cooperation with the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute. One aim of the study is to figure out what people do when they're not driving and how fast they can take over, Uh, said uh, Brad Sturtz. He's a spokesman for Audi of America. So far, it appears the worst case scenario is when people are daydreaming. That's slowest, Sturt said. The uh, next slowest is when they're absorbed in some sort of device like a smartphone or a book. The Tesla deb- debate also raises a question on whether autonomous driving and traditional manual driving should coexist in the same car. Google already decided they cannot, and it's committed to vehicles that have no steering wheel or pedals. Uh, the Google, although the Google, little Google City car had no steering wheel. It did have a big red button to stop it in an emergency, but um, to use them in California, the California whatever they are, DOT or something said, you got to put a steering wheel in. So they had to actually send them back to, I think it was Penske was doing all the work, and actually put steering wheels back in. Still, self-driving technology is not mature enough yet for full autonomy. Sensors on the Model S were not designed to detect the kind of problem encountered in the autopilot uh, fatality. In May, Tesla's uh, sensor supplier Mobileye said in a recent statement. So, not quite ready for prime time for that yet. Uh, but it is. Uh, I have been in a. Uh, I have been in a Tesla with autopilot. It is pretty interesting. Although I still feel like you have to be kind of posed over the steering wheel, ready to take over. And what's the point of having a self-driving vehicle if you got to be paying attention? I, if I have a self-driving vehicle, I don't want to pay attention at all. I want to just know that when I'm when it gets to where I'm supposed to do it, wakes me up. But on the other hand, um, if it can make some reactions to things, like uh, Brian said, if it can make an emergency brake maneuver or swerve to one side, well, maybe that's a good thing. And maybe that's as far as we're ever going to get. Although it'll be interesting to see if uh, these autonomous shuttles that are going to run around MIT and part of Cambridge, what that's really like. Well, I promise trivia. And for trivia this week, we are going to be giving away a bottle of 200 mile an hour wax, uh, courtesy of our friend Jay Davidson. And the 200-mile-an-hour wax is, um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good product. In fact, the, uh, one of my coworkers, which, who hates everything, he's just one of those guys. He just doesn't, has an answer to everything. He's, uh, uh, he just, uh, we were talking about wax the other day with somebody else. And 
The other guy's a big fan of Meguiar's products, as I am as well. Meguiar's makes some really good stuff. And this this other guy uh, uh, popped in and said, oh, you know that 200-mile-an-hour wax, that yellow wax? He said, it's the best stuff I've ever used. So, best stuff he ever used. So, a bottle of 200-mile-an-hour wax, and maybe I'll throw something else in it at the same time. So, and the rules are, if you have one something, I don't know, if you one, if you if you won in a while, let someone else win because I think this is, I think this is a pretty easy question. What was the car that used the tagline, the sign of the cat? What was the car that used the tagline, the sign of the cat? If you know the answer to that, give us a call at six one seven. 770 30 30 617 770 30 30. What was the uh, car that used a sign line, this uh, tagline, the sign of the cat? If you know the answer, give us a call and we will uh, set you up with a bottle of 200 mile an hour wax and something else. And I don't know what the something else is, but something else. Uh, Diesel still coming to America, according to Mazda. Uh, cleaner, sportier diesel engines were a big part of Mazda's Sky Active platform over the uh, overhaul that began taking shape in 2011. But five years later, the long-delayed diesels still haven't hit the U.S. And I actually saw one in the U.S. It was doing a testing, but it was um, it uh, never really never really got anywhere. Mazda Motor Corporation's CEO said Mazda still plans an American diesel debut and even has an internal timeline for the launch, but he's not saying when. We're not giving up the U.S. diesel ambition during uh, uh, the uh, unveiling of the Mazda 3 sedan a little while back. He said they declined to give specifics about the timing, but said he wants a diesel drivetrain introduced stateside uh, while he's still in charge. So... He said he's confident engineers will achieve the right balance of diesel driving performance, clean emissions that so far has eluded Mazda for the U.S. market. Mazda has been stymied by uh, yeah. in its uh, Sky Active product plans by stringent U.S. emission standards. U.S. rules require an emissions treatment that saps driving performance from the otherwise spunky, clean diesel, Sky Active diesel engine, that, which must have been the one I saw. It must have just been dirty. Environmental performance must be... Uh, compatible with driving dynamics. Yeah, you don't want you don't want a car that is. And all I can go back to is the old Mercedes diesel, which didn't have any of that. It didn't have it didn't have driving performance. It wasn't clean. It lasted a long time, but that's all it had going for it. It was just it was it was a horribly slow vehicle. Even when they even when they added turbochargers to them, they still were not. They were still were not fantastic vehicles to drive. The new gasoline engine now under development will be 30% more efficient than the current Sky Active power plants. The company said Mazda engineers expect to reach new levels by cranking up the engine's compression ratio. Imagine 18 to 1 compression ratio on, on their engines, and that's up from the current 14 to 1. Higher engine compression tends to improve fuel economy, allowing for a leaner mix of fuel to combust. That's a a ridiculous number. And I don't know how we're going to do this, but I think we're going to try to give out prizes for everybody here. So if you know the right answer, and here's where you have to be honest, if you knew the right answer, 
Stay, stay, you know, you don't have to hang up if you hear somebody else say it. Because uh, I have a couple of bottles of this 200-mile-an-hour wax that just became 300-mile-an-hour wax, by the way. And it's a good product. And, the, and one of the reasons Jay gives it to me is because he wants to get the word out that it's a good product so people actually want to buy it. So if you get a, if you get a bottle of it, tell your friends. Let's start with uh, Christopher on line one. Christopher. JP, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Very good, yeah. Well, uh, I think this is a pretty simple question, but... I, All right. I might be wrong. Could it be the cougar? It could be the cougar. That's it could be the cougar. The, the sign of the cat. All right, stay right there. We're going we're gonna to hook you up with some 200-mile-an-hour wax. Well, I can use that. I'd rather have the 300. Yeah, I know. Well, it, well you know, you get, you got to add your own 100 miles an hour to that one. Hey, do you have any T-shirts left? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Marita's not here today, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. All right. All right. Stay right there, okay? Sure. All right. Let's jump over to line two to Steve. Steve. Do Steve. Steve. I was going to say the, the Cougar, and I also thought possibly the Jaguar. Well, you're, you are right with you are right with the you are right with the uh, Cougar, but stay right there, and we'll get your address down. We'll mail out something to you, okay? All right. Thank All right. You and much. lastly, let's go to Jeff. Jeff. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I had a 1979 Mercury. 1979 Mercury Cougar? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably did. Probably did. And and did you run around going, this is the sign of the cat? Uh, probably not, I huh? Think I, I don't think I was into cars at that yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, stay right there, we'll get your address down, and everybody's getting some 200-mile-an-hour wax, okay? Thank you. All right, take care. Stay right there. Okay, we'll give, uh, we'll give Karen a lot of work to do. She's got to get down three names and addresses and... Uh, the 1967 uh, Mercury Cougar brochure uh, dis- described it as the sign of the cat. It was meant to bridge the gap in Ford product lines between the Mustang and the Thunderbird, but Mercury's Cougar would go on to become a mainstay of the division, ultimately symbolizing the sign of the cat brand. Beginning with a single two-door hardtop model, the Cougar would go on to spawn a convertible sedan hatchback and even a station wagon variant. I don't think I've ever seen the station wagon. Uh, but like the rest of the Mercury division, it's now little more than a memory. It was introduced on September 30th, 1966. The final Cougar rolled off the assembly line August 2nd, 2002. In honor of its half century that's passed since the Cougar's debut, um, a little bit a little bit more history about the Cougar. Um in one of the ads, it says, Mercury unleashes the Cougar, untamed elegance. Uh, untamed elegance, that's Cougar, the entirely new kind of road animal for Mercury. With the European flair to its styling, with standard features until now only found in expensive cars. That's a word you don't use anymore. Only found in expensive cars. They're all expensive. Examples, concealed headlights, standard. Sequential rear turn signals, standard. A 289 cubic inch V8, standard. Bucket seats, standard. Walnut grain steering wheel, standard. Stick shift, full width rear seat, standard. The newest safety features, including dual braking system, all standard. Above all, the Cougar is uh, contemporary with the kind of excitement that runs through the entire 67 Mercury lineup. And it says the price. People at previews have overguessed its price by $1,000. We believe Cougar is the best equipped luxury sports car you can buy for the money. 
Uh, this ad says, see your Mercury dealer. If Mercury was going to produce such a car, it was going to do it right. That meant a clean sheet design. Oh, uh, only the Mustang's platform, windshield, and roof rails could be retained. All new sheet metal, it rode on a wheelbase, stretched to 111 inches. So it was about uh, three inches three inches more wheelbase than the Mustang. Mercury product uh, would be a luxury sport coupe positioned in size, price, and prestige between the Mustang and the Thunderbird, both redesigned and restyled for the 67 model year. goes on to say, um, though thoroughly dissimilar in design... The Cougar chief engineer admitted to being influenced by the appearance of the Jaguar Marks, Mark X. So our, so uh, Steve, who said, uh, I think it was Steve who said, I was thinking Jaguar. It was almost right since they seemed like they uh, they shared similar designs. Um, it says, uh, to that end, the side sculpting the Jaguar is meant to accentuate the car's overall length, further distinguishing it from the Mustang. The Jaguar played a role in uh, the Cougar's interior design as well, adding touches like toggle switches for interior lighting, faux burl walnut dash that would grace the uh, XR7 models and introduce midway through Cougar's first year. So... Uh, it was it was quite the car that became maybe not quite the car at the end, but that was a lot of with a lot of Ford products. Mechanically, the Cougar would differ from the Mustang in several significant ways, as Mark McCourt from Hemings said. Um, the sixty in the sixty-seven to sixty-nine Mercury Cougar buying guide published uh, just uh, well, about ten years ago now. Uh, no six-cylinder engine option was available, leaving consumers to choose between a two eighty-nine topped with a two-barrel carburetor rated two hundred horsepower. A four-barrel carburetor version at 225 horsepower or the big 390 V8 topped with a two-barrel carburetor rated at 280 horsepower. And there was even one with dual exhaust and a four-barrel carburetor made 320 horsepower. Transmission choices, a standard three-speed manual, a top-loader four-speed manual, a three-speed Mercomatic with select shift, which allowed drivers to hold first and second gear. Um, so there was a there was a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff in the Cougar. Um, it said well equipped even in its most basic form. The Cougar hit the market, uh, and it was priced at twenty eight fifty one or about three hundred fifty dollars more than a base Mustang. Opting for the more luxurious XR seven version brought the price admission to just over three thousand dollars, which was still considered a bargain compared to European luxury cars. In the words of the Lincoln Mercury general manager and Ford vice president at the time, in a nutshell, the Cougar XR7 is a car for the man, not for the woman apparently, a car for the man who aspires to Aston Martin but doesn't have James Bond's pocketbook. The press liked the two, uh, with most describing the Cougar as a more refined version of the uh, Mustang. Motor Trend named it the car of the year in 67, and perhaps to prove it was no slouch at the racetrack, Mercury enlisted the services of Dan Gurney to campaign the car in the Trans Am series back then. So, um, a lot of interesting stuff about the Cougar. They, uh, In its debut year, they sold 150000 but in 1970, the last year of the original Mercury Cougar, only about half of that. Uh, in 1971, a Cougar was launched still based on the Mustang, but by the time the third-generation Cat debuted in 74, its basis was a larger Ford Torino. version would be replaced a new Cougar riding on the LT2 platform, formerly the Torino, and things just didn't go well after all of that. 
is what it came down to. Let's talk to uh, John Diamond. How are you today? I am good. How are you, sir? Good. I've got a very obscure cat product that the uh, Mercury offered. Can you guess what it is? I don't know. It's the Bobcat. The Bobcat? Now, a friend of mine bought, he's deceased, in the 80s, he bought a Mercury Bobcat, which was the Mercury version of the Pinto. Absolutely, yeah. And everybody laughed at him. He put over 100,000 miles on it, and he said one of the biggest mistakes he ever made was not buying two of them. Really? Yeah. No, the, the Bobcat was and the Pinto, I mean, as much as you make you know, make fun of them for being what they are. That little 2.3 liter engine, I mean, it's it could burn oil and, you know, you had to make sure you did the timing belt and the water pump in it and all that stuff. But they, you know, they, they kept running pretty good. I mean, I, I occasionally see a Pinto on the road or maybe, who knows, maybe even a Bobcat on the road one. I can't say I see a lot of Vegas on the road. <laughs> the Pintos also made decent race cars, too, in the class they had. Yeah. Engine was pretty strong. Yeah, no, it it was, and that was uh, what I think killed the reputation of that engine was when they uh, when Ford decided to try to hang a turbocharger on it for the Thunderbird, and it just wasn't set up for that. It just it just uh, it just was a little too hard on the on that poor thing. So well, I just thought I'd stir your memory. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care, John. Bye bye. Over to line two to Paul. Hello, Paul. Hey, John. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Uh, at least from the commercial side, a, a classmate of mine who went on to fame, it's unfortunate. Um, she uh, was one of the first people to get into uh, synthesizers and electronic music. Mm-hmm. She created the sound of the Cougar in the Cougar commercial. Really? Her name is Suzanne Charney. Actually, she was from Quincy. I think she lives out on the West Coast now. Uh, Suzanne Charney. And um, she isn't. She isn't the sound. She isn't the voice of Siri, is she? I don't think so. Because there's there's uh, there's there's someone and, and only and I have no idea, but there's there's somebody and their their I think it's their Twitter is is seriously Susan or seriously Suzanne, and she is the voice of Siri, and uh, you never know, you well, never yeah, know. I, I know that um, uh, she's had she has several, well, maybe a couple of dozen CDs out. Some have been. Uh, uh, in whatever the music awards are, yeah. the Grammy Awards, I think she's been wow. nominations for that. She also wrote the uh, soundtrack for the movie The Incredible Shrinking Woman. So uh, she tours all over the world. Huh. Her company in New York was then called Chani Musica, um, but uh, went to fair and then went off to Wellesley, I believe. And um, but anyway, she she created the sound of the roaring cougar. Wow! So that was all electronic huh. music, probably some of the first in commercials back yeah. back in the day. But. Well, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff that came out of New England. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's uh, you know whether it's surf music or the sound of the cougar. The surf music? I mean, as in Beach Boys? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, you know that the, uh, we'll get we'll get into we'll get into some of that music a little later maybe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the West Coast thing. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so that's... Uh, that's a little uh, addition to the Cougar, which I always thought was a great-looking car. Yeah, it uh, it looked like a, a yeah a more refined Mustang, and occasionally I do I do see one or two of them around. I think there's one that's restored. I'm not quite sure where I saw it, but uh, very nice. I like the I like the toggle switch ideas. Certainly a lot easier to, than than uh, flat buttons that uh, uh, people. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and it even and it even gets the worst part is it it just gets worse over time because as a lot of these manufacturers just um, you know add everything into the touchscreen of the navigation system, it just gets it gets so much worse after that that um, you can't and and you know they say well well you can tell the car what to do well it, it doesn't always it doesn't always work. You tell the car, you tell the car, you know, to tune the radio to something else, and it doesn't always work that way. So, yeah, you know, one, one personal experience about uh, about buttons or the the way they are positioned. I recently locked myself out of my car mm-hmm. and called AAA. They came very quickly; they were wonderful. But the uh, lock uh, system on on my car door is vertical and nearly flat. Oh, and the uh, uh, little tool that they yep. squeeze in behind yep. the door, yeah, like a, I don't know, it looks like a, a plumbing tool. Yeah, it uh, it couldn't make the it couldn't move towards the door again once mm. you got in to press the uh, uh, to press the button. Mm. Uh, I was able to locate another key and get in, but uh, so when they design these, they don't always think about what happens if no they 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 really they really want to kind of design them so you can't get into them so that's what uh yeah the uh the 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 tool i think you're referring to is something called the big easy and it's a it's a long kind of flexible thing that right. you can you know they can, you can you can reach across the car if you have to with it and it, it's um and it's uh it's saved uh it's a it's it's a good tool to prevent damage and all kinds of stuff but they did a yeah they were yeah. wonderful about it I mean, yeah. and it just it just was so flush to the door panel yeah. that uh, uh i don't know how yeah. it no no would have been yeah. if i didn't find the key but anyway all right so thank you very much all right take care paul bye bye let's go over to rick rick hey john how are you okay and um you sound exhausted from being retired <laughs> No, actually, I'm on my back porch, and I'm right near a train track, and we got one of the commuter rails going by. Oh, all right. Um, they had in the article about the uh, top-tier gas and the AAA makers. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how it's, uh, the top-tier gas is really be- much better for brand-new cars. What about those that have got 100-plus thousand miles on them? Well, it's it depends on the car. What happens is, and we'll kind of explain this, top-tier gas... And I got to tell you, when I first read about top-tier gas 10 years ago, I thought it was a lot of nonsense. I thought it was just marketing from, um, you know, Mobile and Shell that said, our gas is better than your gas, and we're going to call it top-tier gas, and unless you, join our, unless you join our coalition, your gas isn't as good as mine. And my answer always was, gas is gas, who cares? You know, as long as, it, as, long as your car starts. Well, what happened was our engineers at AAA went out and they took a they went out to an engine lab and they did some testing and they found out and the engine they tested on strangely enough was a we were talking about Pinto engines a 2.3 liter engine it was actually a 2.3 liter engine out of I think a Ford Ranger pickup truck so an older engine and and it was fuel injected and what they did was they they let the car run for hundreds of hours with gasoline that wasn't top tier gasoline and then they disassembled the engine and they looked and the intake valves had all this carbon buildup all around them and then they ran the same engine using only top tier gas for hundreds and hundreds of hours and it didn't have all this carbon buildup 
So consequently, top tier gas, top tier gas, keeps gunk from building up in the combustion chamber and on top of the valves in the engine. On newer cars, that gasoline direct injected cars, where instead of the it used to be when cars had carburetors, the carburetor would squirt gas into the intake manifold. The gasoline would kind of aerate with some with some air, and it would end up getting sucked in through the intake valve, and it would burn inside the engine. Then when they came out with fuel injecting, they put they put a fuel injector inside the intake manifold, so it would so it would inject precise amounts of gasoline into each cylinder. Then what they did, they've gone to something called gasoline direct injection. So they put the fuel injector directly into the combustion chamber, similar to where the spark plug would go, and it squirts gas directly in there so you're not having the gas end up on the uh, intake valves. What they've found is, it's even though it sounds like the fuel is further away from the valve, still those gasoline direct injected cars can have issues with dirt and gunk building up inside the fuel injector, and that's why... Uh, top-tier gas can be a little bit better for your car. An older car that's got 100,000 miles on it, if it does have carbon buildup in it, what they found was after you run the car for a couple months using top-tier fuel, it actually cleans off some of that carbon over time, so it actually gets the engine back to closer where it started. So a car that's got 100,000 miles on it can't hurt to use it. Is it necessary for all cars? I remember I called up the folks at Lexus, before Lexus actually joined, and some of the auto manufacturers have joined the top-tier coalition saying, we would prefer that you use this kind of gasoline in your car. And I called the people up at um, Toyota and Lexus, and I said, what's your opinion on this? And they're like, our cars run on anything. We don't care. Since then, they've actually joined the top-tier coalition. So, But only in Lexus' side, I don't think in the Toyota side. So I'm still, you know, do, do all cars need it? I don't know. Um, I guess the answer is if you're cheap like me and you buy gas, you try to buy gas where it's least expensive or less expensive, um, and you have a chance of, oh, I can buy Gulf at Cumberland Farms for $1.99, or I can buy Shell, uh, you know, down the street for $1.99, you're probably better off buying the Shell. You know, so I think that's about the only way you can kind of look at it. Okay. All right. So for for an older car, can you use it? Yeah, sure. Is it going to hurt anything? Nope. Is it going to make things better? Maybe. Hmm. Okay. Okay. They talked about new cars, but they didn't mention the older ones. Yeah. No, the older ones, you know, know, and and like I said, the engine they actually tested was not a new design engine. They have done tests on new design engines as well. But the engine that they they ran on the test lab for hundreds of hours was was actually an older design engine. So... You know, similar to what, you know, 70% of the engines are, you know, in the country today. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. And I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the uh, you know the, the beginning of surf music. Well, kind of a local guy in Quincy, Dick Dale, was sort of the father of surf music. And, Karen, can you turn the internet on? Let's, let's see what happens here. See if that is surf music. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll go out with the surf music. How's that? 
My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We'll be right back. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's tire headquarters. And right now, during our sizzling summer tire sale, you'll save big on quality Yokohama tires. Yokohama tires, known for their impressive tread design, durability, and handling. Stop into your local Sullivan Tire now through August 18th and check out this amazing summer special. Buy three, get the fourth Yokohama tire absolutely free. That's right, buy any three Yokohama tires, the fourth one is yours free. Remember to stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check and let our ASC team of experts keep your car running right. We do it all. Brakes, batteries, mufflers, transmissions, engine diagnostics, oil changes, that all-important air conditioning service, and so much more. Head to any of our 68 locations right now and save big on a tremendous selection of Yokohama tires. Buy three, get the fourth Yokohama tire absolutely free. Offer ends August 18th. See SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Do you dread the car buying experience? Would you like to save time, money, eliminate stress, and positively know you got the best deal possible? Welcome to the ultimate buyer experience from the professionals at the Car Consultancy. With over 20 years of car buying know-how, Ira and his team will create a great car buying experience for you by negotiating and handling all of the details from start to finish. For more information, go to thecarconsultancy.com or call 800-280-3517. That's 800-280-3517. At City of Boston Credit Union, they believe paying for college shouldn't be as hard as going to college. So they're making it easier with a range of local education financing options designed to meet the needs of students and parents. And because they're member-owned, they treat people how they want to be treated, like people, not credit scores. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. Visit cityofbostoncu.com to learn more or to apply. Equal opportunity lender, all loans subject to credit approval. Honda Cars of Boston is Greater Boston's neighborhood Honda dealer with over 800 new Hondas available to choose from. Just five minutes from Boston on Route 99 in Everett, our beautiful new showroom makes your Honda Cars of Boston experience even better. Visit online at hondacarsofboston.com and see all of our tremendous purchase, lease, finance, and certified pre-owned specials. Honda Cars of Boston on Route 99 in Everett is the place for great buys from the Honda guys. Give them a call at 1-800-65-HONDA. WROL Boston. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Uh, well, I figured I'd take some abuse over the over my column in the Globe today, so I figured I'd just just start with myself here. So um, there was a there was a question that came in, and, and uh, I've had this question asked a few times before, and it says, um, "I was watching television one night and saw a million dollar Ferrari, Lamborghini, and Bentley model selling at an auction. What makes these?" ultra-luxury cars so expensive and are they worth it? 
Well, that's always that's always a good question. And what I said was, it's an age-old question uh, with many types of products. Is a Rolex watch really 50 times better than a Timex? Is a $4,400 Louis Vuitton rolling carry-on bag that much more useful than a Swiss Army bag that costs $300? I wouldn't spend $300 either, but just want to point that out. Um, the um, It's really more about image, status, and exclusivity. The latest Chevrolet Corvette Z06 can travel to 60 miles an hour in three seconds. It has a top speed of nearly 200 miles an hour. A Lamborghini Avatar Roadster can reach speeds of 220 miles an hour, um, but is also $300,000 more expensive. Functionally, the cars are very similar, but you will see many more Corvettes than Lamborghinis, and that's just a reason alone. People think they are worth the money. Recently... I mentioned this. I had the opportunity to drive a Rolls-Royce Dawn. This is a two-door convertible that has a silky smooth ride, ultra-quiet cabin, beautifully handcrafted interior, and it actually goes to 60 miles an hour in about five seconds. It's actually pretty fast, too, uh, considering that I think the car weighs three tons. But is it worth $400,000? Like I said, you just have to, only the person who can buy it can really answer that question, and I can't. Without any question, I can't. Uh, so, but it, was it a nice car? Sure, it was a nice car. Um, in fact, uh, one of my uh, NEMPA members, uh, Jamie Page Deaton, I believe, picked up her kids at daycare or something in oh, it. Really? And then the uh, and then the uh, the next day, they're like, "Oh, what happened to the nice car?" Um. Somebody else wrote in and said, I'm looking for a small station wagon, not an SUV. Uh, I have a well-used, worn-out Acura TSX wagon. I love the sporty feel and the overall handling and performance. Now it's time to replace it. I'm finding few choices. I've looked at the Subaru Impreza. Seems a little rough around the edges. The BMW and Volvo are out of my price range these days. And the Mini Cooper may be a little too young for me. Do you have any suggestions? And my suggestion was the uh, Volvo Golf Sport Wagon. Um, I liked it. I, I drove it not that long ago. Uh, fit and finish inside was really good. I think the engine, the 1.8 liter engine, the turbocharged engine, had enough power to make it fun to drive. Uh, plenty of room in the back. And, um, you know, with everything that's going on with Volkswagen, somebody said to me, how could you recommend a Volkswagen product? I think the products are still good. I mean, it's everything with the diesel. It's I feel I feel worse for... The Volkswagen dealers at this point, um, you know, people like, you know, Paul Clark Volkswagen right over here in Brockton and other Volkswagen dealers that maybe, you know, had these cars sitting on their lots. They took the diesels back finally, but um, and I guess the ones that were sitting on them, they didn't have to pay the floor planning fees. But I don't know about the people that actually pay cash for their cars. But so, you know, would I buy one? I did. Well, before all this happened, yeah. but. And it's still still a nice car. And we talked about the uh, Levi edition of the uh, Volkswagen Beetle not that long ago. Just uh, just a nice car. In fact, I was to, um, who was I talking to about the Volkswagen? Um, Roger, he's the guy who was on the program uh, a couple months ago talking about his trip to Cuba. And he's a writer and been on the radio for a long time and overall here and there. And Roger was saying he, he got out of it. And he has... I think he owns eight or ten cars. And he was saying how much he enjoyed driving the Volkswagen. He said, what a fun little car to drive. 
The last question, whenever I go into a quick oil change place, they always put a sticker on the car that tells me to come back in three months or 3,000 miles, whichever comes first. They also send me email reminders to do the same. Is it really necessary to change the oil in my car that often? Um, no. Will it hurt? It won't hurt either, but do you have to do it? Not really. When cars were carbureted and extra fuel ended up in the oil, it was important. When oil was not as good as it is today, it was important. When engine, um, when engines were not put together quite as well as they are today, uh, which had looser tolerances, well, then I think it was more important to do it every two or 3,000 miles. Today, can you go five or 6,000? Depending on the car, yes, you can. Hyundai is set to roll out a fuel cell vehicle. They're actually next-generation fuel cell vehicle. Um, Hyundai, and by the way, if you want to call, we have plenty of time left. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. South Korea uh, automaker Hyundai Motor Company will debut its next-generation fuel cell system in 2018, just in time to showcase the technology at the Winter Olympics in South Korea. The system will appear in a totally new vehicle that is somewhere between a compact utility and a regular sport utility vehicle. Hyundai introduced its original fuel cell technology on the Tucson way back in 2013. Well, it was actually three years ago. The company has produced fewer than 1,000 vehicles to date the new, because you can't fill them up anywhere. That's Where do you get hydrogen? The new fuel cell will be smaller and require less platinum in the catalyst. Uh, the battery will be bigger while the electric motor will be smaller and lighter but have the same output. He said the 2018 Winter Games will set the stage for the next generation fuel cell vehicle. Hyundai is also preparing a fuel cell bus to possibly debut at the Games. He also said we're going to make a big event, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of where this is. Someplace in Korea, uh, they said the uh, he said in a recent uh, interview, he says it's a big event. It's always a good opportunity for PR. Hyundai Vice Chairman uh, R&D Chief said the automaker is bucking the industry trend by developing fuel cell technology internally where other people use other companies to do it. Uh, there is a new CRV on the horizon for 2018. I think it's a year behind, actually. The redesigned CRV crossover uh, is due sometime as a 2018 model. You'll ride on a modular platform with the Civic and the Accord. It's expected to grow in size again. Uh, I think it's already getting too big. Uh, it could use a 1.8-liter turbocharged engine, and there, there finally looks like there's going to be a hybrid version, which a lot of people have been looking for. And there's a new Buick Enclave coming up. Uh, the new Enclave will become a little bit more muscular and angled. Uh, it's the brand's biggest crossover is redesigned. I need to really do some research on crossover vehicles from Buick because I saw a commercial for one, and I didn't even know what it was. I'm like, what the heck's that? Never even heard of it before. I'm supposed to know this stuff. Let's talk to Ed. Ed. Yes, John. Yes, sir. I'd like to find out about shipping an automobile across country to uh, just not to Seattle, Washington. And my grandson is graduating, and then I have a, an automobile with only 42,000 miles on it, nine years old. And I figured it'd be better. He'd be better off with that than uh, me try him trying to pick up a used car out there. Right. Yeah, um, there is, there is uh, a lot of different ways that you can do it. Um, it depends on how much you want to spend. 
uh, Intercity Lines is the is one company, and they transport everything from regular everyday cars to um, expensive luxury cars, and it's enclosed transportation, which isn't necessary. Uh, the yeah. problem is, you know, where it's going to be shipped to. You know, there's all kinds of people, for instance, that ship from here to Florida. They do it all the time. Yes, I yeah. remember in the yeah. fall that somebody advertised yeah. on your yeah. station. But in but going to you know a kind of non-traditional place, there's also you know there's also these companies. That, in fact, there was a reality TV show, uh, uh, and I think it was You uh, Ship or something like that, and it was a. Um, it, you know, and what people would do is, it, you know, you'd you'd put out on the internet, I want to I want to ship a car from uh, from Boston to Portland, and different people would bid on it. The problem is, and I was talking to a neighbor of mine who wanted to ship a car, and he was and he didn't make the arrangements. The person who bought the car made the arrangements to pick it up, and the guy showed up in something that looked like a landscape trailer, pulling, you know, and it was like, I, you know, I was kind of wondering if this thing was actually ever going to make it to where it was going to go, so you kind of have to watch out for that a little bit, um, but there is, um, you know, there is, like everything on the internet these days, there is rating systems for car transportation companies, too. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's there's two. The, yeah, there's two ways that they can do it. They can look at. There are some places that do. Um, you just actually hire a driver, and the guy drives out and does it. And then there's others that uh, that you know put them put them in a put them in a vehicle. But like I said, the one that I'm most familiar with is is um, is Intercity, and it's. Um, it's the one that it's the one you see sometimes at uh, like big car auctions and stuff there, and and I don't know I know that the couple people have used them they're they're not they're not cheap either um, you know you 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 know it depends how much you want to spend but um, let me you know while we're talking here let's see um, you got a you got a you got a pencil handy yes I have eight hundred. Two two one, three nine three six. That's the yeah. That's the phone number for Inner City, and and maybe even just call them up and say, here, you know, this is this is uh, this is what I think, and that's the one that uh, Wayne Carini uses when he transports his classic cars around the country. So okay, very okay. Good. All right, thanks, Eddie. All right, take care. Uh, let's go to line two to Rick. Rick. Yes, John. Um. Quick question: 2015 Toyota Scion XP. Yep. Uh, Fifteen thousand miles on it. Engines a major, uh, constantly knocking and pinging. No code on the uh, dashboard. Really? Yeah. Uh, I had the chief mechanic somewhere, a local dealer, uh, take me for a ride, and he said, "Yeah, it sounds bad." So, and he doesn't know if there's a fix for it. You can't touch the timing or anything due to government yeah. regulations. Yeah. Um, have they have have they looked have they looked to see whether there is some reprogramming they can do to the computer which would in essence change the timing? Um, apparently, he can't. Supposedly, he can't do that. Well, I mean, there could be an update from GM that says that you know some of these knock and pings. So, yeah, I, yeah. Um, he's, he was going to call the Toyota manufacturer and see. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is a. 
you know, there is a reprogramming procedure. Now, you, you, uh, you know, um, you know, with the Scion, I mean, that's you know, it's a it's a Toyota product. Uh, uh, yeah. You go you go into a, you go into a Toyota dealer for the for this because I guess Scion doesn't really exist anymore, right? Yes, I, I yeah. So go to a dealer. For yeah, this, yes. yeah. I would, you know, I would have them check with their field service manager, okay, and see if there's a technical update. I'm uh, not aware of any, but yeah. there. But I mean, cars aren't designed to knock and ping, so you should well, be able to drive that down the road, and it shouldn't make a sound. Yeah, and um, some of the, the the service managers there are telling me to use 93 octane. No, that's so stupid. I didn't buy the car for that. No, that's stupid. <laughs> You know, you, yeah. you you bought the car to run on the cheapest gas you can buy. Correct, correct. Yeah. So, um, no, there's, uh, you know, and I'm just looking. I don't have the latest technical service bulletins because they don't go through my system that quick. But okay. um, but I don't see anything other than there is, you know, there is a, up, there is a uh, computer software update. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's only 15,000 miles on it. It's, it's, you know, it's due for it's like third oil change, and that's about it. You know, you should yeah, it's you sh- really making a rack. Yeah, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have any problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll- okay. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have a sorry, I don't have an answer for you, but um, all right, all right. Uh, I'll get back. To okay. You. Uh, okay. Take Thanks, care. Bye bye. Right. Let's see. Somebody wrote in info for Ed cross country car ship. If he needs to have it, uh, make sure he specifies that it stays with driver. The, the apparently ran into a problem. Oh. Oh, oh! if he needs it wrenched. So if there's some issues. But anyway, let's go over to Gary. Gary? 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 Hello. Hey, Gary. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Uh, good. Say, I had a question about... Oh, uh... uh, your phone's breaking up, Gary. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, try it. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, any better? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. No, I was going to ask... Question, uh, I you talked to before, Ed. I'm uh, shipping a car. Yeah. Back uh, late 70s, early 80s, I drove a couple of cars out to the uh, West Coast for oh. uh, those a company that would, you know, get people yeah. to drive the cars for people. That, that was a pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah, because you can you take them out and you, you just have to worry about if you know something happens on the way, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how uh, solid Ed's car was, so. Um, you know, yeah, so yeah. you know that's yeah, always a concern with a low mileage car. Is you know, is it going to be an issue going cross country with it? You know. Yeah, I just say it was better than you know having to take a bus. Or yeah. A train oh yeah. Driving, so. No, no. If you can, if you can get a free one way trip and get paid for it, why not? Yeah. Uh, the question, though, I, I mean, you could talk about it next week if you want to. Um, I was wondering last week you mentioned something about uh, Ford. I've always been kind of more into Ford anyway. Yeah. And I appreciated them not taking the. Taxpayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But what I was wondering, uh, do you know if how much, if any, General Motors and Chrysler has paid back? I thought GM paid all of it back. Oh, okay. Yeah. I hadn't heard. So. Yeah, I think so. I, I'll I'll do a little I'll do a little homework, but I'm pretty sure GM paid all of it back. Although I wouldn't be surprised if they borrowed money to pay it back. But you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think their initial loan is completely paid back. Okay, it was just something I've been yep. wondering because nope. I didn't see anything. No, okay. I'll take I'll take a look. Okay. All right. Good. Take care, Gary. Bye bye. Hey, look over in the corner there, still working on his doctoral thesis. 
is is the now bearded Paul Sullivan. Summertime. We could turn your microphone on, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's check, try that. Check. Hey, there, we, there go. we go. Look at that. What'd you say? Uh, huh? I don't remember. Come no. again? I don't remember. One more time? Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, I have a beard. Well, it's not really a beard. Well, it's... It's a little bit more than the than the uh, what is currently trendy of the three days scruffy beard. Yeah, because yeah. it is about four days. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know. I, I didn't mean to get that personal. No, it's all right. It's going. It won't make it to five days. It trust me. Be, no, 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 no. no. You just you, know, you. You know, you can join that Dollar Shave Club thing where they send you a new razor. Like I just got the ad for it on the yeah. uh, on the internet yeah. there. Did you see that? See they sold that company like Gillette for like forty billion dollars. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yep. so Everyone I guess has to shave, right? Well, and I guess that's I guess that's the idea. You don't start a company with the idea of succeeding. You start a company with the idea of Sell selling it to someone, it to someone else. Yeah. Yep. So I need to come up with a new widget that mm-hmm. IBM wants to buy or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Or, or this thing that. We'll send you new razor blades. Hey, JP, just face it. You and I are never going to be rich. I know. I know. I've come to that conclusion a long time ago. Yeah. You've got to get there, too. Yeah. All right? Yeah. I, yeah. I've, and, I'm, and I'm always just, I'm either way out in front with my ideas mm-hmm. where everybody goes, that's stupid. Right. And then 15 years later, the, the same thing shows up. You know or, what I did before anyone else, and my wife can kind of verify this. Uh, back in the day when I really could run, I used to run or jog. Mm-hmm. Five miles a day. Okay. okay. Now, this is back in, must have been the 60s, early right. 70s. Uh, and right about that time, they came out with these um, uh, headphone radios. Yeah. But they were, like, huge. Yeah. They were, yeah. like, the size of a helmet. Yeah. So I would use that and run with it. And she said, I never saw anybody do that before that. Now, everyone you see jogging or running or biking has some kind of music or some kind of... So I invented yeah. uh, headphones. You did? Well, I didn't invent them, but the idea. See? Wow. My grandmother invited blueberry pancakes, by the way. Really? No. No. Well, she said she did. <laughs> um, I don't know. So what's your best idea ever? Well, remember in the 60s and 70s, people used to... No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting into geezer radio again, folks. Geezer 950. Yeah. I, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think I invented an, uh, a wrench to take an oil filter off okay. when they didn't have very good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't go anywhere, but now they kind of have something that looks like what I did. Mm-hmm. I still say I'm, you know, munchkins at Dunkin' Donuts, which yeah. we used to call don- donut, donut holes, holes yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. I said, how about the hole from the Lifesaver? Ooh. And they became... They called Tic Tacs. And yeah. they became Tic Tacs, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Well, got, you are I, one step behind. I, I got, no, I yeah. got nothing. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't invent. <laughs> Log on to my website at one yeah. step behind yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to create a checkered future for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm committed yeah. to middleman. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I've, I've often told people, you know, it's all about the low expectation with me, right? Because if you go in with the low expectation and you're a little bit ahead, everybody goes, hey, you did all right. You did great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But don't go in with high expectations. You, you're <laughs> going to be disappointed. When all else fails, yeah. lower your standards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody called in and said, Are, am I still on Sundays at 9 o'clock on AM 1260, as far as I know? Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, on on the business station, on WBIX at 9 o'clock. Um, that's what the buzz is. Anyway. That's what the buzz. That's what the buzz is. And it's, uh, it's programs that are um, not this 
week, they're usually a few weeks behind, mm-hmm. and some may be way behind. And and through the magic of editing, they somehow take out any reference I have to. What a beautiful Saturday morning! Good, excellent. Because I know they. And every time I say that, I I go, oh, probably shouldn't have said that. Well, I heard the, the program where you're talking about the Edsel when it was new. Yeah, so exactly. There are yeah. some old shows on there. There are. There are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, you know, Blizzard of 78 when, when I was stuck in my car <laughs> and now for three we have days. And yeah. on the phone. That's <laughs> Governor High. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know. Nice sweater, man. Yeah. yeah, when, uh, you know, when... Uh, you know, Mayor Curley came into the studio. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, th- it's things like that. You, you know, found, so you found his desk. <laughs> I, I actually know where it is. Told <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, hey it's, uh, think, it's, I, it's I can afford one of these yeah. places so I can walk to work yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. You're building over. Yeah, here. I think I think probably I think probably the answer is no. No. Um, yeah. Hey, we have to get going because no. it's ten o'clock. The it's piano guy's very here best. Yet. Where's and, the piano guy? He's coming. All right, there, there he is. is. There he is. Piano guy's right there. So the very best in Irish music with. Paul Sullivan in the Irish Hip Parade. Sully always does a great job. Thank you. And he always wears an interesting T-shirt every Saturday. That San must Diego be All-Star a new game. one from San Diego, yep. from the, the All-Star Park. Midsummer Classic. Yep. So a little visual for radio. I was there. Until no, next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt. Drive carefully. It'll be Bye-bye. good to be Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.